and welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we read about Edward Cullen's thoughts so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Midnight Sun by Stephanie Meyer. Joining us to discuss this third version of Twilight is an accidental vampire postmodernist, Carrie. Carrie, welcome back. Carrie's been with us from, okay, our history with the, with Twilight and this podcast runs so deep. It was literally our first episode. Carrie was our first ever guest. And then every year we would read the next book in the saga on our anniversary episode, which this is our fifth anniversary. We've been doing this podcast for five calendar years. Is it our, isn't it our sixth? Kate? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was 2014. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even started drinking yet. I was and just I like, have. oh, we went How through. wild. <laughs> it's been a while. And then, of course, 2020 has really been like five years. So I think we're going on it's into true. year 11 of the podcast. Yeah, because we did. So for our first three anniversaries, we did the other three Twilight books. Then for our fourth anniversary, um, wonderful friend of the podcast, Danielle, DM'd a Twilight D&D game for us. Mm-hmm. And yes. then last year, we read The Host. And when we did The Host last year, we said, put on your secret boards that Stephanie, uh, your vision boards that Stephanie Meyer will release another Twilight book for our next anniversary. And I think we made Midnight Sun happen with the secret guys. We, and even the timing of it, it came out like a month before we needed it to. Like it gave us time to get it and read it and like comfortably record it. She's like, thank you, Stephanie. But also, no thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> okay, this has literally made the last month of my life both bearable and unbearable. Exactly. Like, I, like, for the summer leading up, I was so excited. Like, I pre-ordered my copy from the bookstore, and I was excited to go pick it up from curbside pickup, safely, safely. But, you know, to, to have this sort of, like defining moment happen in this time when like every day bleeds together it was like okay but august 4th midnight sun comes out and then that'll be something different and then and then i had to read midnight sun though and i had to read it so we can, <laughs> so we can play our drinking game which um before we get too distracted we should go over the rules of that this is something we've played over our other anniversary episodes where we just um, made a little drinking game based on maybe some of our verbal tics or things that we say a lot on the podcast. And it's also in some ways like a little time capsule because some of the things on the list we don't actually do that much anymore because we've evolved. Yeah, I was going to say some of it is a little outdated. We did make an update for it in 2017. Um, I think we could probably make another update for it now, but we didn't do it before we started. So for 2021. Um, so the rules are, we'll take a drink every time we say something that might jeopardize our relationship with our valued sponsor, ChristianMingle.com, which right away is outdated because now we are, of course, sponsored by Steaks and Cakes, the restaurant from Christian <laughs> Mingle. The Mo- this podcast has gone so, so- <laughs> like just the journey that I need to explain Steaks and Cakes and I'm, so I'm not going to. That's the rule is drink if we offend Christian Mingle. <laughs> uh, drink if we angrily defend something, even if we don't like it that much. Drink if we favorably compare a character to Christian Grey. Drink if we apply lessons from self-help books. That we do a lot. Uh, drink yes. if we reference any other book we've previously read. 
hand in hand with self-help books because we've already mentioned the secret once so far. Yeah. Uh, drink if we resent a character's mansplaining. We are going to get so drunk. Um, <laughs> from Midnight Sun. Drink if we promote a movie or TV show over a book. Drink if we suggest specific ways to make the book better. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink anytime anyone endorses fan fiction as being better than the book. Drink if Renata references something she heard on a podcast other than this one. Mm-hmm. Drink if Kate says this was a book. Drink if we say literally. Drink if we call something garbage. Drink if Duarte interrupts. Drink if our guest thinks the book is much worse than Kate and Renata did because our standards have been drastically altered by this podcast. I'm not sure that one will come into play here, to be honest. Yes. It rarely does. So the for the new rules that we added, drink if we make a musical theater reference. These are these are not Dua Lipa's new rules. These are our new rules. Um, <laughs> drink for steaks and cakes. Drink if we say the movie was better. That's kind of the same. Um, whatever. Drink if a woman describes her own body in the mirror. Drink for uncomfortable written out dialect. Drink if we frantically have to Google something mid show. That'll happen. And drink if someone starts laughing during a dramatic reading. Yes. Um, and that whole list is on our website if you want to play along or just read the list or whatever. Uh, do do drink responsibly. Do hydrate. Pace yourselves. There's going to be a lot of mansplaining to drink over. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, now now here, here we are. Midnight yeah. sun. Um, also, I should say... And I guess we'll probably post pictures on social media. We all made a big point of getting pomegranate cocktails because, of course, Midnight Sun has a big, gross-looking pomegranate on the cover. Um, but, of course, this is an audio medium, so I could tell you I was drinking pomegranate and you wouldn't fucking know. But I am. What? So what? what are you guys drinking? I'm drinking a pomegranate mimosa. Excellent. I looked up a drink that was pomegranate juice and ginger beer and vodka. I did not relook up what it was called or what the proportions were. It's called the Midnight Sun. Okay. I'm going to, but also um, I have also got um, Prosecco because at some point this is going to turn into a um, pomegranate mimosa. Hell yeah. I, for the past few drinking games have been drinking French 75s. So I altered the recipe and I made a, pomegranate simple syrup and cut out the lemon juice and just did a splash of pomegranate juice instead and i'm calling it a forks 75 which i came up with last night and i was so proud of myself yeah you should be that's very good um also again i do but you know i should stop making assumptions because like when we did our last exiles episode i was like i assume anyone listening has already seen the X-Files, like, knows what we're talking about. And then I got some tweets that were like, what's 1013? I was like, oh, people were listening even if <laughs> they weren't obsessed with the X-Files. That's weird. So maybe you're listening and you don't know Twilight or you haven't listened to our other 700 episodes about Twilight. So Midnight Sun is sort of, like, fabled Twilight lore because back in the peak of Twilight heyday of, like, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, it was rumored that Stephanie Meyer was was writing Midnight Sun, which is the events of the first Twilight book from Edward's point of view. And then someone hacked her computer or something and released a PDF of the first, um, 
it was like the first hundred pages or something of Midnight Sun of a draft. And she was so hurt and so offended by this that she said, like, you know what? Like, I feel so violated. I'm never going to finish Midnight Sun. It's never going to come out. And you, you hacker have ruined Midnight Sun for everyone. And that was sort of, and so that PDF was floating on the internet for years. I did read the PDF or at least skimmed it even back before the podcast. Um, I haven't looked to see if it's out there now. I'm sure they've been a little bit more vigilant about scrubbing it since the actual book has come out. Um, but then so earlier, early on into quarantine, Stephanie Meyer just sort of put up this surprise counter on her website. And there was this little flurry of like, what is she counting down to? And then she announced like, you know, I just feel like now is the time when I can release Midnight Sun and I just want to put it out into the world. And and I think we all, again, as Kate said, the real reason was because of the secret, because of all of our vision boards. So do take a drink and do, um, do let's cheers to the secret and its powers. Hell yeah. Um, I mean, I do, obviously this book, I was miserable listening to yeah. all 25 hours of it. Wow. But much like, uh, you know, I, I, I do appreciate that Stephanie Myers is taking the time to make everyone's quarantine a little bit better by dusting this off, um, much like Taylor Swift releasing folklore and all of the other art that has come out to sustain us through these months. Hamilton being released on Disney Disney Plus. Yes. Disney Plus. And by the way, drink for Hamilton. And, um, you know... And I know a lot of people were being sort of cynical about it and be like, oh, it's a cash grab. And maybe I just am too optimistic, but I really don't think Stephanie Meyer needs any more money. And I really do sincerely <laughs> feel like Stephanie Meyer was like, I'm going to do people a solid in quarantine. I'm just going to do it. And I I do feel like, like, A, is she going to make a ton of money from this? Yes, obviously. But I really do feel like her intentions were were pure. Yeah, that was honestly like my first thought was like, well, you know, everyone's because it, it was announced too at that time where like everyone was kind of building up like different things and, and announcing different things that were going to happen at the beginning when everyone was like, we need to fill quarantine with all sorts of like alternate social events. And now that's kind of calmed down and everyone's kind of like, well, you know what, like I can I can I don't have to do some online social event every night of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did it did feel like it was in the spirit of all of those other like quarantine times announcements. Of here's another musical theater reference to drink too. Like in the beginning, Andrew Lloyd Webber was putting up free streaming musicals every week, and then he was like, Sorry, I ran out of musicals and I didn't think quarantine would last this long. Bye. <laughs> and then by the way, also And yep. then by the way, Andrew Lloyd Webber posted the WAP challenge on his TikTok, and I saw that and I read that sentence and my brain exploded. <laughs> I'm sorry, the w- W-O-K? No, W-A-P, wet-ass pussy, which, oh. Bella, which oh! Bella has also, and I guess so does Andrew Lloyd Webber. Turns wow. Out. Uh, okay. less, less funny than that, I was just going to say Dave Malloy released a prayer shot of Ghost Quartet that I've watched three times during quarantine. Oh, Thank for- you, Dave Malloy, once again for sustaining me and giving me life. And drink for Dave okay. Malloy. God, my, I'm yeah, going to refill this drink so soon. Okay, here's where I am. I was fascinated with everything about this book except actually reading it. And which is why I believe Stephanie Meyer has turned me into a postmodernist. <laughs> because what 
what I am doing is finding myself going, this is a fandom that I picked up seven years ago as a goof. (laughs) And yet it keeps giving me more fascinating new textual extra. Like I'm much more interested in this than I'm interested, was interested in like the Harry Potter play or whatever, you know, it's just like, I, I mean, it's weird. Yes, I'm going to keep doing and redoing the same text. And most, instead of just putting out like a short story collection, putting out a sequel, putting out literally anything else is just kind of revisiting and revisiting the same text. And My friend ha- Beth, oh, go on. Oh, it was, it just, it had me actually going back to, because as I read some of these things, I was like going back to the original Twilight and say, okay, hey, this is what's different about this text and this is what worked about it. Is this good? Is this actually good? And I want to, I don't know if we have to drink if I reference another podcast. Yeah, of course. Go for it. Okay. Drink. So one of my, my favorite podcasts right now is a movie podcast called Blank Check, but they actually started out, out as a Star Wars podcast and what they did for like their first 10 episodes was just rewatch the Phantom Menace and like pretend that no other Star Wars movie existed <laughs> and try to figure out what was going on. It's I, I wouldn't say it's great podcasting. It's a little weird. And they've kind of come around and been a more kind of like serious critical podcast since then. And but what they said is the reason we kept doing this was because we know the Phantom Menace is not a good movie, but Every single time we'd go back and be like, but maybe it is a good movie and not just a weird cultural artifact that I'm obsessed with. And I was, I've always been like, that's a very strange exercise. And then as I found myself reading the third rewrite of the Twilight books, I'm like, shit, I do know that feeling. So I don't know. By the way, uh, we've, this is, we multiple times have referred to this being the third one. And in case you missed this we didn't do it on an anniversary we did it as sort of a surprise episode because stephanie meyer did kind of a surprise drop of twilight life and death which is a gender swap version of twilight and so that wasn't released as a september anniversary episode it came out sort of randomly as the book did and that was where um Bo was a human boy and edith was a girl (laughs) vampire and they fell in love so this is yeah the third version by the way, also drink for me Googling mid-episode because I I feel like after Midnight Sun, she also announced that she was also making separately a sequel that would come out. And so I wanted mm-hmm. to find that announcement. And then while I was Googling, there's a notice on Stephanie's Myers website that says, bad news, I've been exposed to COVID. And like, <laughs> oh no! This, and I it didn't say she had it, it said she'd been exposed to it. So she canceled an event that she had planned to do. Um, Stephanie, don't do events. It's the pandemic times. Well, it wasn't a real event. It was something like she was, they put Twilight back into drive-ins and she was going to record a thing or something to go on the drive-in. But even to go, like she canceled going to do that. Okay. All right. She's not doing, Stephanie. I'm sorry. She's not doing real events. (laughs) I don't think she really has COVID, but she canceled going to do the thing because of potentially spreading COVID. So good for you. That's responsible, Stephanie. Thank you. Um, so my my friend Beth tweeted when Midnight Sun came out. You only write the fir- you only write the same book three times once. Yep. <laughs> which was 
I was so charmed by it. I think I retweeted it on the the worst bestsellers uh, Twitter as well. But like, it is it just like the absurdity of it. Like, I can't even like I, I saw a lot of people when it was first announced, like kind of disparaging it. Um, as a money grab. And as I said, like, I, that hadn't been my first impression. So I was kind of like, oh, it's weird that people would think this. But also, like, fucking get it, girl. Like, (laughs) do it. If people are going to fucking buy the third version of this book that you wrote, why not write the third version and put it out there? Like, go for it. Yeah. And I'm much, because we also did read The Host and we also read The Chemist, her other adult book. And I forgot about the chemist. Everyone did, and that's why she has to go back. <laughs> that's why she has to keep going back to Twilight because this is the only thing that's good. Um, she did put on an interview, and it, it was a charming interview, and it was great because they asked what she was reading, and she named like Justina Ireland, and she gave a really big boost to some like less well-known authors and authors of color, and like again, Stephanie Meyer. Overall, we've talked about this before. Like she does try to use her platform to like boost other people and especially other women and that's cool um okay here's i i do feel like there was something else that she said but this said um as a quote from stephanie meyer saying there are two more books i think in the world that i want to write meaning the world of twilight um i have got them outlined in a chapter written of the first one so i know it's there i'm not ready to do that right now i want to do something brand new whatever but she and I've, somewhere else, I think she said one of them was like a sequel and one of them was something else. And yeah, I remember Googling it because I was like, this has got to be fake. And it wasn't. <laughs> Is one of them the Jasper Civil War vampire? Neither of them was, but let's keep that on our vision boards because that's what we want. Um, So before we go any further and get into this, we're going to get into kind of the differences and probably Carrie and Renata are going to remind me of things that were in Twilight because I don't remember because I read it once six years ago. But clearly, like, this has been a cultural touchstone, especially because it happened during Quar. So this isn't the only Midnight Sun episode we're going to do. Mm. Um, We're going to try and keep this to like our regular episode time. I know usually we let the Twilight ones go over. Uh, And if there's anything we didn't cover, any questions you have, anything you're like dying to know about Midnight Sun that we didn't mention in this podcast, hit us up email, Twitter, all of the places. We don't, I don't think, check Facebook super often. We have a Discord now that we'll mention at the end, but you can get there on our website and let us know what your questions about Midnight Sun are. And we're going to do a follow-up. So if we don't get to everything in this episode, hopefully we'll get to it uh, going forward from here. Yes. Two things I want to say. I do check the Facebook, but when you have a page on Facebook, it hides all of the messages in this weird folder that's really hard to access. It's a problem fix it facebook um but anyways case that's not the best place to reach us second of all i do want to recap a conversation kate and i had about figuring out what to do for this episode and being like oh should we do the drinking game and i was like well i kind of feel like a lot of people are actually really curious about midnight sun and i don't want to get like super drunk and forget to say important stuff and kate was like well i don't think there's a lot of nuance in midnight sun that like we're gonna need to go into and i was like well no, I didn't say there was nuance, Kate. I said people are curious <laughs> about it. And Which is true. It was legit. <laughs> so, yeah. So we're doing the best of both worlds where I'm, frankly, already, like, feeling my theater and secret-induced sips of mimosa. So, again, this is going <laughs> to fall apart any minute now. 
But we'll do another sober episode where if you have actual questions regarding the extremely nuanced plotline of this 600-page vampire book, um, we'll be back. Which is a Hamilton reference and drink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I obviously mentioned it just then. Um, I, just to kind of like vaguely recap um, our, our histories with Twilight... I mentioned this in the first Twilight episode. I've probably mentioned it in everyone since I did not listen to any of them at all recently. But when I was selling books, Eclipse had just or was just about to come out. I I was selling books through the release of Eclipse and then through Breaking Dawn. But I had never heard of the Twilight books when I started there. And some of my coworkers were very into them and insisted they were the, the best books ever. I had to read them. And I was like, sure, fine. And I read like, I don't know, 20 or 30 pages of the first Twilight and was like, this is boring and did not read any further because it was a giant thick book. And if I was not engaged in the first 30 pages, I did not want to force myself to read any more of it. Um, And then you made some different life choices. And then I made some different life choices. My dad, actually, um, every time I'm home. I'm anxious to hear where the statement is going. Oh. (laughs) My dad loves My dad and I had... My dad and I had a fight this morning. Oh, that, okay. That was something different. Um, But this is not about the fight or about my dad loving Twilight. But he remembers how much I didn't like it when I was selling books because he was teaching middle school and all, of course, the middle school kids were super into it. Um, And now, despite the fact that he knows that I have this podcast, that I've been doing it for six years, that he has been to a live show, every time I mention Twilight, he's like, I thought you didn't like those books. And I'm like, Dad. I, I mean, yes and no. Um, <laughs> yes, and I, and we actually talked about this sort of recently because my Peace Corps friend Trina came on our Carolyn B. Cooney freeze tag episode. I got into Peace, I got into Twilight in the Peace Corps when the first movie came out and we all went to see it in a Dominican theater and it was the best movie experience of my life because we didn't know what the fuck it was. And Dominicans just like laugh and scream at movies. Like every movie is Rocky Horror Show in a Dominican theater. And I love it and I, First of all, I miss going to movies in general. Second of all, I miss going to Dominican <laughs> movies because I love to yell at movies and Americans don't like it. <laughs> so that was so good. And But then we got the books and I even read the first one in Spanish, which is called Crepasquilo. And um, <laughs> But do I like Twilight? I don't know, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of Twilight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I... I just like sort of to recap my story and I guess why I ended up being the first guest on this. I was very much for a long time, a person who was like, I do not read bad books. Why would I waste my time on that? And literally there was some kind of reading challenge on NPR to read um, um, Twilight. And then I was kind of like, first of all, I was like, do I like this? Is this literature, Is am I reading some weird girl's blog about all the weird shit that happens to her at school? And I was just, she's, I was gone act- on, she's gone on her favorite search engine and typed in web logging. And- <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But, and yeah, so, and then I, but I was, I was kind of, I was fascinated by the viewpoint of the book. And I also do, I was I think I had just seen The Runaways and was really into Kristen Stewart at the time. So I was just really fascinated by this sort of viewpoint of this girl who is in this like sort of, you know, dark and wet and shitty town where everybody thinks that they know her because they know her dad and just 
she and she's just very self-absorbed and kind of gets knocked out of it when she sees this guy who has a mysterious thing and without it being a particularly well executed version of that i was like well this is really relatable to what my teenage mind felt like even though i would have been way too snobby when i was 17 to read a book like this yes so um which brings it into the fact that sometimes a story is told from a certain point of view for a reason Mm -hmm. and that totally taking this especially the start of this book out of bella's particular feeling about being stuck in this town and just kind of finding this mystery and exploring it is kind of, and like making it be about this sort of weirdo, arrogant vampire dude who's never noticed a girl before. Mm-hmm. Um, is it's, it's such a, even when the dialogue is the same, it's such a different, like, it, it's it, it's reason to exist is completely different, yes. and that is just kind of I was very especially the opening of the book was when I kept going back and saying, not that everything about OG Twilight works, but that this book doesn't even understand what worked about that that first part. Yes, exactly, because I have keep turning over in my head if this is like a very smart or very oblivious move on Stephanie's part where like (laughs) Carrie you and I were talking back and forth a while ago about how like yeah and in the books from Bella's point of view she comes across as like very um self-absorbed like she does look out for her family but she doesn't she's completely uninterested in her peers and we did like that for her and then in this book we have Edward's point of view where he's like Bella is so selfless she is always going out of her way to help her friends um she's always just doing nice things for other people which we never fucking see Bella do and it's like is this a commentary about how like when you're in love you see the best things in other people and like people look different from a different point of view or is this Stephanie Meyer forgetting that Bella is shitty or is the Stephanie Meyer not knowing that Bella is shitty and Stephanie Meyer thinking like yeah Bella's always been a good friend when like she fucking hasn't been and she's constantly just thinking about how boring and dumb everyone in Forks are and how like they're not worth spending her time with it's I mean it's been a, a minute since I read Twilight obviously like I said I haven't read it since we initially read it six years ago Um, And we watched the movies at some point as a bonus episode for Patreon, and I don't remember those either. (laughs) Um, I'm sure they happened. Um, But I do, it is interesting, like, obviously, I feel like the, the more, like, doyalist perspective is that she didn't realize that Bella is a shitty person. But also, it is interesting that Edward does constantly say to Bella, like, you don't give yourself enough credit. You're better than you think you are. Like, you don't know how you see yourself. You you see yourself in a way that's flawed, and you don't know, like, how you look to the rest of the world. And he, mostly he's saying that in regards to her being hot. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. But there are shades of that. Like, it could be interpreted as there are shades of her just not realizing that like you know kind of how like when we 
we think that like, oh, like, of course, I'm going to fucking wear a mask when I go to the grocery store and don't realize or of course, I'm going to tip 20 percent and don't realize that to other people like that is a big deal and not just basic fucking human decency. Yeah. But by the way, but Edward, yeah, like I, Edward confirmed good tipper in this book. <laughs> I, I do like I like that idea as kind of like going back and um, getting a new perspective. But I just think in the case of Bella, especially in that first book, we've been in her head and she just does not think or care about her classmates. I think that's very yes. fundamental yes. to kind of the, 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 the depressive fog that she's in basically yes like so, here we specifically see like for example of course bella and edward are lab partners and we see bella explicitly going and inviting the like class stoner who's failing the class to come be in a group project and edward's like that's so thoughtful of her and edward reads the teacher's mind and sees the teacher thinking like oh it's so nice of her to give this kid a chance that event didn't happen in bella's point of view at all so um so what is the truth there's also I posted this in I I do I have greatly enjoyed the discord that we have created for the yes. podcast um, since we we made it um, but I posted something that my roommate sent me last night which is a very long Tumblr post wherein a person was like what if Twilight the Twilight books are Bella's Gone Girl diaries <laughs> and she has actually figured out what vampires are and has been trying to figure out how to be turned into a vampire and finally heard about the Collins and decided that they were her marks and created the Twilight books as like her diaries of what was going through her head during that time when really the whole time she's been playing a long game to be turned into a vampire. And it was, I love it. I love it. Um, and that is a question that I am probably, I might ask in this episode. I'm definitely going to ask in the next one of everyone later. But I do, I can't, I am tipsy enough that I can't remember why I brought that up. Well, because we were talking because, about, like, Bella being an unreliable narrator versus Edward being an unreliable yes, narrator. Yes, And I do, like, obviously, again, like, this is not at all what Stephanie Myers was intending. But I do love the idea of her being like, I'm gonna, how can I be the most unassuming person possible to get this bland as a hell beige wearing vampire to fall desperately in love with me yes also one thing i want to talk about about the narrator and all that is um of course edward can read everyone's mind except bella's and that was sort of sort of a mystery throughout the saga and then in breaking dawn it's revealed that it's because she is a shield and her mind is so protected that fucking whatever but in and then that's sort of like accepted and moved on. But in this one, we learned from Edward that her dad, Charlie, has sort of cloudy thoughts and he can kind of read Charlie's mind, but not entirely, not as much as he can read most people's minds. And then Bella's mom, Renee, has very loud thoughts. And so she like projects her thoughts aggressively at people all the time, which is weird. But um <laughs> And also, you would think that would cancel out and just make Bella normal, like, those two traits, but apparently, no, apparently it makes her thoughts totally silent to Edward, which um, doesn't quite it, add it's up. Almost but you know like what? You... I'm, I'm not a vampire doctor, so I don't know. I, I was going to say, I think Carlisle, I'm sure, could explain that. Yes. I, I think just on this question of, like, what, just, I think, on the very basic issue of what Stephanie Meyer intended, there's very clearly 
I haven't compared this to like what the original um, Midnight Sun draft looks like, but I'm speculating a lot of stuff just gets dropped into um, the narrative for her to kind of like justify, well, no, Bella's not selfish here. And Edward, I'm quite sure, and I think we need to get ready to drink for comparing somebody unfavorably, favorably to Christian Grey, because there's definitely these things that Stephanie has dropped in to make sure that you know that Edward is actually would not ever be like a mean, dominant, whatever. He says, um, I had the oddest desire to wait on her hand and foot in some socially acceptable way mm -hmm. to show Bella that her merely existing was more than enough. And I'm like, yeah, that's a different dynamic than um, I will straight up say we so we read gray obviously um I'm sure everyone listening knows the 50 shades of gray started out as twilight fan fiction and then was published as its own wildly popular series that gained a lot of the same uh terrible unwarranted criticisms that twilight did not to say there aren't incredibly warranted criticisms but it went through the same this is what women are reading and thus it is bad rigmarole that twilight did but um E.L. James did, in fact, publish Grey, which is Fifty Shades of Grey from Christian's perspective, which is possibly one of the books that we've read for the podcast that made me most feel like I needed to take a shower after I was done with it. <laughs> yeah. It was just, Christian is just irredeemably the worst. And I will disgusting. say that I walked away with this with a stronger opinion of Edward than I walked away from Grey with an opinion of christian gray yes by the way speaking of valid criticisms again before we get too drunk i do want to say that one of the most valid criticisms of the twilight saga is cultural appropriation of the real Quailute tribe and and there there is a little bit of that in here as edward callously reads the minds of billy and jacob black but i also want to say because we put this on social media but not everyone sees um as just sort of a a little something we could do um we donated the same amount of money that we spent on our copies of buying midnight sun to the quailute tribes um fund to move to higher ground where they're trying to relocate one of their schools because it's on like a tsunami path or something that's not a thing yeah it's too close to the ocean um, they need to move it further from the ocean Yes. Uh, yeah. And we, if you have also decided to train wreck, read this book along with the rest of us, uh, you know, it is something that we would recommend that you do if you can afford it. Yeah. Obviously, like these trying times and all, but if you can afford it, we'll, we'll, you know. Yeah, we'll link to it. And this wasn't our idea. I know I saw multiple people on Twitter put out the link and, uh, and we were like, oh, that's a great idea. But I don't remember who started the tweets. But good job, everyone yes. who had that thought. And it's a good thought. Yeah. And, you know, just as a refresher, too, outside of the valid criticisms of uh, cultural appropriation, there are valid criticisms of Twilight. And obviously, we're about to make a whole lot of more criticisms <laughs> of Twilight. But I do always think that it is a good idea to refresh, especially for new listeners who maybe, uh, you know, I feel like we haven't necessarily had a book in a while that fell into this trap. But you know, a lot of the criticisms that you hear around t things like Twilight and Fifty Shades of Grey is that, you know, it's hurting women because women don't realize it's fantasy and they're going to expect people that it's romantic for people to treat them this way. And really, it's abusive and stalkery and gross. And if we let our teenage daughters read these books, then they're going to grow up to be abuse victims, which is 
bad and wrong. Um, There are many, many reasons to criticize these books. And as I said, we're about to get into a lot of them. And reasons to, reasons to criticize the patriarchy at large. Yes, there's always criticisms to for the patriarchy at large. Is patriarchy one of our drinking game things? Because if not, it should be. It should be. I'll take a drink, drink for that. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, just as a refresher, it is great if you want to, you know, maybe perhaps as an example, start a podcast where you talk about books that are bad. <laughs> But you should also try to place them in the cultural context of what is bad because it's bad and what is bad because we are grown to hate women and people of color and people with disabilities and queer people and anyone who's different than we are. Uh, And maybe to keep that in mind as you are criticizing things. We are not always 100% great about that, but we do make an effort. And you should as well. And now I'll stop being preachy and let's talk about this fucking bonkers book. It's so long. And and reading it, I didn't fully reread Twilight, but I do have a copy of it and I would flip through because the pacing of this book is so weird. They'd be like, we're like two thirds through and we just got to baseball. I thought baseball happened sooner. And then I would go look at real Twilight and be like, oh my God, no, baseball also happened. Like so, Like so much of both books is just like, plotless um just sort of thinking thoughts going to biology class and thinking thoughts about your crush um edward uses his mind reading power to basically dip into the mind of anyone who is around bella at any point to see what she's doing and what they're thinking about her and also to constantly fucking drag his siblings yes which is like funny when it's Emmett because it's pretty good natured and um, you know Jasper and obviously Alice is his BFF and like that relationship is like the best part I think that's added to the book yeah. but the stuff against Rosalie is so gross and sexist as is how he feels about Jessica mm-hmm. and then he has like also this really weird jealousy thing with Mike Newton which is kind of hilarious but it's all such a yeah so i i like edward dragging his siblings psychically but he's so mean about rose he's so mean and here's what i want is i want the next book to be twilight again but from rosalie's point of view <laughs> and i want it to be her just being like and then it was time for me to focus my like most shallow surface level thoughts to keep my fucking unethical mind reader brother from like reading what i'm actually thinking so i'm just gonna keep thinking about my hair until he leaves me the fuck alone and I, I, I don't think that's what Stephanie Meyer intends, but it's what I want. Yeah, I. This was a question that I was going to ask later, but I'll ask it now. Which was basically like, if you were going to write Twilight, the same book for the fourth time, <laughs> what would your version be in a perfect world? Mine would actually be um, the one where obviously Bella is queer and falls in love with Alice instead. Uh, a constant refrain that Alice gives during this book. Yeah. Um, is that so um, as Edward continues with Bella, like a lot of the book is his struggle between like, oh, like I'm so drawn to her. I care about her so much and I don't know why. But like also I need to stay away from her because like her blood is so enticing to me and, and she deserves to live a human life. And Alice keeps being like, oh, my God, like I had a vision that you and her are going to get together and I'm going to become her best friend and I'm going to love her so much. And like 
the first half of the book is Alice constantly saying to Edward, when can I meet Bella? Is it time for me to meet Bella yet? I really need to meet Bella. Mm-hmm. And, and like, Meyer, I'm going to love Bella so much. Stephanie Meyer does the thing that I think people of maybe an older generation do where they refer to, like, straight female friends as girlfriends. Like, I'm going to go to the mall with my girlfriends, um, which, like, my mom does too. Um, but it just has a yeah. different context when you're already, like, Alice loves her. She's her girlfriend. They're girlfriends. They're going to be best girlfriends. Like, okay, this is gay. Yeah, it is very... There's a point where um, Edward... So Edward has been, over the course of the book... We're telling this totally out of order. I'm so sorry to anyone who maybe came into this for some coherence. Kate, don't apologize. If they want to know what happens in Twilight, there's other podcasts. There's also three versions of Twilight they can read, I yeah. guess. There's also the book. They and can probably read the book. They can watch the movie. It's on three Hulu separate now. Wikipedia entries. Um, but so uh, Alice keeps having visions about things that are going to happen with Bella um, and Edward and sharing them with Edward, obviously, through his mind reading. And at one point when he has decided he is going to show her take her to the meadow and show her who he really is, he, Alice sees a vision of him killing her in the meadow. And he starts to freak out and Alice like screams in his head, no, Edward, you can't. I love her too. (laughs) And I just like my gay little heart was just like, God, I do. I do desperately want the book where instead Bella is like, no, like your sister. I'm in love with your sister. And then Alice and Bella get married and it's great. And that would be such a stylish wedding. It would be very stylish. I fucking love Alice. I I know I'm a lesbian, but I do fucking love Alice. I absolutely am with you 100% on um, Alice, Bella, all of that, want that. Um, I think if I was doing it, I feel like the adaptation of this book that we could actually like make during quarantine is um, the Jessica Stanley Diaries, like sort of in the in the vein of um, Lizzie Bennet Diaries is just Jessica's vlog we obviously get Anna Kendrick to do it and she gets like all her musical theater friends to like come in and be guests and it's just the whole thing from um from Jessica's point of view um there are songs it's fantastic um and then the other just um the other thing that there's a point in the book where like it's when they're like they really got everything worked out and there's just these like schmoopy chapters about them being in love and he like watches her make breakfast and is thinking about how capable and confident she is and she is literally making cereal and milk and And what i come well what i talked about that was that he is like oh and she was making off-brand cheerios with milk and i was like why does edward know that it's off-brand cheerios why does edward know what a cheerio is and then I, I, I guess if he's reading minds, like people are probably like thinking yeah. about Cheerios. I don't know. <laughs> and that it's also, but what I want, I want like oh, you know, to talk about other podcasts. Um, Justin McRoy has a cereal podcast. What if Edward and yes. Bella had a cereal podcast? Or just like Bella would eat cereal and describe it to Edward because he can't eat cereal. Oh boy, this is really funny to me. It is probably from the pomegranate mar- mimosas. <laughs> yeah, there. And I mean, I will say that it's, it's a recurring segment on the empty bowl where, like, 
one of them, usually Dan, will have like a, a sample of cereal that he will eat. And obviously it's a podcast. They're not there together. So he'll just be describing what the cereal is like to Justin via words, which I've never been very successful at using words to describe what it's like to eat a thing. But I still listen to that fucking podcast constantly. <laughs> well, And then Edward would be like, oh, that's very interesting because I heard Jessica Stanley thinking about Rice Krispies. Like, <laughs> 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 and by the way, yeah. casting Anna Kendrick as, um, during for talking about the movie, but casting her as Jessica was such a glow up for Jessica because she makes that character seem like so smart and funny and like sassy. And in the book, she is just like kind of bitchy and like kind of trying to sabotage Bella and just like not not nearly as likable or charming as Anna Kendrick makes her. So I say, yes, make her do a vlog of this. Yeah. Here's another I, thing. Now that we're just kind of saying things that oh, happen in the book. Was there a podcast before not just saying things? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Like I was very weirdly into like the first, I think it's like five or six chapters of the book. Edward doesn't, it's not like Edward sees Bella and he's like, oh, I am in love with her and I want to spend the rest of my life with her. Like, obviously he smells her blood and that is very attractive to him and intoxicating to him, his own personal brand of heroin, you may say. I would say that. Um, but he doesn't, he's feeling a thing and he doesn't know what the feeling is. Yes. <laughs> and it's very, like, as a person who has been reading so much Idiots to Lovers fic recently, <laughs> like... That kind of, like, I don't know what the feeling I'm feeling is, so I'm going to default to, like, mad. And then later <laughs> it's like, oh, no, it was, it was, I am in love with them. I get it now. Mad was not the right choice. Well, and before, Beautiful. like, before he's, like, in the room with her to smell her blood, he's just sort of seeing her in other people's thoughts and memories. And he's so judgmental, and he's so used to just judging whatever, like, dumb girls and dumb cereals his classmates are into. So he's just like... <laughs> He's just like, oh, like, she's overrated. Like, they just think she's pretty because she's new here and, like, whatever. Um, and then he, like, actually meets her and smells her and is like, oh, I want I want to eat her like a Cheerios. And then, no, I can't eat her. I want to love her. And also Alice wants to love her. It's like a full weird chain reaction of thoughts once he's the difference from, like, seeing her in other people's minds versus actually seeing her. Okay. I, I Can I... I want to talk about... You were right. Whoever said that the structure as far as when things happen in the book is the same pretty much, but there's like an extra 150 pages in this book that is either these sort of like side tales about things that happen that I think could be published separately and don't need to be part of this. Mm -hmm. Or it's mm -hmm. um, the, the, just these extended conversations that Edward and Bella have about like pop culture stuff Yes. And they have these conversations like, that are basically like those live journal surveys where they just go down to like favorite movie, favorite color, favorite book, favorite cereal, like whatever. And it's, and, and it's not like a very good conversation because it's just like a list. And the thing is, the thing that was getting me is that like I've been getting back into writing some more lately too. And those kind of things can be good prompts to get your characters talking and or in real life to start a conversation with somebody but he's like just quizzing her and like next thing next thing next thing and i'm like that's not how this is supposed to work and does stephanie understand that edward does not understand how 
conversation works. It's a puzzle. Right. Because it is interesting because he's used to not needing to have conversations because he can just like read thoughts. But also I do kind of feel like when you're in high school and you're like maybe a sort of awkward teen and you're getting to know someone, I do remember, you know, especially maybe like at camp or whatever and just trying to get to know someone quickly. I do. Uh I do remember having like sort of a similar conversation where you would just go back and like try to find commonalities and not bother with like a conversation per se. So I I did want to ask you guys, Uh I does that happen in Twilight? Is there just because this goes on for no, let me be clear, folks, like four chapters of the book, they alternate days when they can ask each other questions. Is that in Twilight? I think a little bit it is, but they don't go in as much. But like, You know, he wants to know her favorite book, stuff like that. There are pages and pages added of that stuff. And I really feel at times that Meyer literally just did like journaling props about her own tastes and opinions and just put them in as Bella dialogue or just like, you know, tweaked them a little bit. Like she's like if you're doing like headcanons for a character on Tumblr or something. And that weird thing is that there are some parts of it, like when he like asks her what it's like to grow up in Arizona, that is really kind of like lovely writing and just kind of like thoughtful um, character explanation. And I'm like, is this just like Stephanie Meyer, like doing the artist way? What do I like about living in Arizona? Yes. Okay. I have a couple things. I have a couple things I want to say. Um, One is like, yes, this is the same, but much longer. And I do think at least part of that is that Stephanie Meyer now can be like, oh, an editor? I don't think so, honey. Like, I do what I want. And I feel like at least when the first Twilight came out, somebody at least sort of could rein her in a little bit. And another thing that happened is I re- I'll try to Google this later and find it, but I remember in the first one, it's very clunky because it was very, Bella would be like, oh, you have that CD? I have that CD too. And they didn't say what CD it was. And then at some like fan Q&A or whatever, Stephanie Meyer was like, Oh, it's Lincoln Park. They're both listening to Lincoln Park, but I didn't want to say Lincoln Park in the book in case it would make it dated. And so the the original saga is like very stripped of actual pop culture, um, like actual things. Like they, um, you know, named bands or named shows. It's just sort of like that movie everyone was talking about or my favorite search engine or whatever. And in this one, she's like, no, um, it's Lincoln Park. It's Lorenzo's Oil. It's Tooth and Claw by Joe Walton. And it's the only book that Bella has in hardback because everything else she likes is classics that's already in paperback. But this one's in hardback. And like now she's like going in and she's like laying down these like specifics of the musical and pop cultural things that they're into. And it's weird. It's clunky and weird. And yeah, it's not even as much that I don't believe people would have that kind of conversation. But I think like as a writer, you're like doing it and then you're finding the interesting bits and she wasn't I mean maybe those were the most interesting but they could have been cut like two thirds you know stuff like that so it's just that's the sort of thing you write for yourself yes in your story that you write for yourself that you're not planning on sharing with anyone ever where Bigfoot and the Mothman are in love and they answer (laughs) questions and then you don't when it's time to show that to other people you're like 
this is just for me. Yeah, but counterpoint. Just, counterpoint, I'm putting that though, out there. It's not specific. Counterpoint, though, <laughs> Sydney Meyer has spent the last, like, 12 years at fan events where people are like, um, what's Bella's favorite band? What's Edward's favorite this? Like, what's Bella's favorite cereal? Um, she has spent, she's gotten so much feedback that this is actually what people want. That uh-huh. is. I remember when J.K. Rowling used to do, I mean, obviously, fucking disclaimer, J.K. Rowling, Rowling is a fucking turf. And obviously, like, we don't go with that. But Harry Potter is also a cultural institution that many of us grew up with. Uh, So it is a little weird to try and juggle it. But just to be clear, we don't go with that. Trans people are people. Their gender identities are what their gender identities are. You don't get to say otherwise. That aside, I remember back when, like, the fifth or sixth book came out, J.K. Rowling did all of these, like, tours and would answer questions, and most of the questions were from little kids, and most of the questions were like, what's Bill Weasley's middle name? What is Ginny's favorite color? What? And grown-ups on the internet were so mad that, like, she wasted her Q&As, quote-unquote, answering these questions. It's like, this is what the eight-year-old wanted to know. Like, she picked the eight-year-old in the cute Harry Potter costume to answer the question, and what she wanted to know was, what's Bill Weasley's middle name? Like... Yeah, you gotta kind of roll with it sometimes. And thank God none of those kids were like, "Hey, J.K. Rowling, what are your complex political opinions?" Because it turns out no one wants to know that. Turns out, (laughs) yes. Yes. And that, by the way, is another thing that Stephanie Meyer has been great at. Like, we all know she's a Mormon. We all know she probably has some like sort of weird conservative um, beliefs, but she's keeping her fucking mouth shut and she's just telling us about Lincoln Park. And you know what? Fine. And when she does open her mouth, it's to lift up other women very frequently. Yes. I, I literally um, was just having the conversation about with a friend about like how I picked this fandom up seven years ago as a goof. And it's like, would you, I have predicted that Stephanie Meyer would be like less publicly problematic than um, Joss Whedon or JK Rowling right? or like other people. Right. right yes. um, By yes. the way, we should drink for talking about other books and other movies. And, yes. And, and also, I, I also, I really apologize for whatever horrible thing Stephanie Meyer is going to say. On I know. Yeah. I do feel like when this podcast it. comes yeah. out. Like any today, you call somebody unproblematic, then tomorrow they come out like actually. T- yes. Today is August thirtieth, twenty twenty. Stephanie Meyer has not been egregiously bad on the internet that I know of. Yes, we should blur through some of this really quick. So I just want to see if there's any other like specific bonkers differences or plot points we want to shut out because okay. I do, and it's the Fast and the Furious scene. <laughs> All right, so before you get to that, there's one other thing I want to talk about, which is that one thing that I did, like, sort of appreciate, but also still doesn't make any fucking sense, is that we find out very early on in the book that Edward, like, kind of considers his going to high school over and over again as, like, punishment for being a vampire. Yes, he calls it purgatory. Um, And that's the only thing that's made sense. Yes, because the biggest flaw in this is, like, fucking why? Like, they all hate high school. Why do they keep doing it? But if Edward thinks that he needs to do penance for his vampire crimes, then yes, this is the only way it makes sense. Also, Edward <laughs> casually reveals that he has two medical degrees, which I don't think <laughs> he has said before. And, like, how did you go to medical school? Like, Stephanie Meyer, there's a full, like, Doogie Hauser to be had here of this, like, 17-year-old vampire in medical school. And it's just... It's... Why? Why? 
Lizzie Dietrich. Yeah, it's very funny, especially because, like, and I still hold this for the other ones who hate high school who, like, clearly don't have, like, weird hang-ups about morality and stuff. We're like, just fucking, you're already the weird rich family who you don't socialize with anyone. Just fucking say your kids are homeschooled. Just say, Just fucking homeschool them. Yeah, online classes. Yeah, because Rosalie is like, Edward, if you fuck this up and kill Bella, we're gonna have to leave early, and I like it here because we can be almost normal here. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, no one likes you. No one talks, or like, everyone's obsessed with you, but you don't talk to anyone. Like, what is, what are you getting out of this experience? And that to me is still not satisfactorily answered other than penance. But none of the other vampires feel like, none of the other vampires feel like they need to be doing penance for anything. The one other thing that I want to mention before we move on is actually there's two things sorry i keep coming up with more fucking weirdo things from this book that made me laugh this one's just very quick i didn't realize that the alaskan vampires that they go to visit were in the previous books because in the previous books they do not get the description that edward gives them here which is that they are also vegetarian vampires because they want to fuck human men so bad that they're like we don't want to kill them anymore we just want to fuck them so now we're vegetarians which was Yes, they're the Denali clan. Insane, and I loved it. And I'm not sure, <laughs> because from Bella's point of view, I'm not sure if Edward would have told her that part of it, maybe. I did it's spend true. a lot of time, I would skim through the book, and then I also, because I've, again, drink for me talking about the movie, I've seen the movie more, and I kept remembering being like, oh, where's this part that I like? And then, like, for example when Bella goes over to the house and they make her uh, Italian dinner and Rosalie breaks a salad. I love that part. It's only in the movie and I thought it was in the book, but it isn't. And it should have been. And they're, watch- they're watching a cooking show because, like, clearly they've never cooked they before. they don't know what food is. That's very charming. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's added for the movie that's not in the book. And it's better. So the other thing that I wanted to mention was that um fucking what was it oh my god i just had it oh so edward the reason edward starts sneaking into bella's room at night and following her around everywhere is because he realizes she's so clumsy and she hurts herself constantly and he starts to have like legit anxiety attacks about like how many things there are in the world that can hurt a human person and he says to emmett like there are earthquakes emmett (laughs) what if there's what if bella's in an earthquake (laughs) But by the way, the Emmett stuff, like the extra sibling stuff is like some of the best things. But Emmett is just like everybody else is like, Edward might do a murder. And Emmett is like, man, sometimes a person just smells that good. You got to do it. Well, because Emmett has had two previous um, like cantante blood people and killed both of them. So Emmett, you know, Emmett wants it to seem reasonable that he has done this. Um, two things that are casually revealed about how the other vampires spend their time that I would love more info on is in addition to vampire baseball, which we all know and love, they also play vampire football, which I believe means American football, even though as I think in the notes, or maybe it's in Twitter, someone pointed out that soccer makes more sense as a vampire sport, but I think she means American football. And also Emmett and Jasper play a version of chess that involves eight boards put together, like a super chess, and it has... Like, quote, such complicated rules that they won't tell Edward because he cheats. And so they're just playing fucking super chess. And this to me is such a, like, cartoonish, like, 
what a dumb person thinks smart people do. It's like, oh, like smart people play chess, so like really smart people play super chess. Do you remember that that Tumblr shit post that was like, it was a person who said like, I made this for my graphic design class and no one laughed. And it was chess two, now with two more pieces, including double bishop and pawn with a gun. No. (laughs) It's very good. That is very good. I thought you were going to say the Tumblr shit post that was like, if Edward and Bella had smartphones, he would do stuff like send her a picture of a snail and say, I saw this snail, dot, 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 effervescent. I'm sorry, what? That's also a very good Tumblr shit post. The snail is effervescent. And is all I think about when I see snails or see the word effervescent now. Extremely so same. good job, whoever Extremely posted same. that. It's very good. Speaking of, this book is in 2005, and so there is flip phone technology, and this comes up when... But this book also, it goes into a little bit more detail maybe than we've gotten, or maybe it goes into it in Breaking Dawn and I forgot, but about how the way Alice's power works is, like, when you make a decision, she sees how it plays out. So they, like, fake her out by fake making decisions, and then she sees what will happen, and then she's like, no, never mind, don't do that. But because she has a flip phone, she, like, waits for them to make a decision and then just texts them Y or N. So there's a part when they're just, like, they're sitting in their car just, like, going to their mind palaces and being like, what if we went to Canada? And then she texts back N. And it's like, (laughs) A, very funny. B, also, we've learned that this is the secret, right? Like, Alice is just weaponizing the secret. And she's like, okay, like, if you can see yourself going to Canada, then I can see what happens next. Because it's, you know, if you see yourself in Canada, then it's just like you're already in Canada. And, oh, no, if you do that, then this other vampire is going to eat Bella. Never mind. Don't go to Canada. And, and <laughs> I loved it. I did. I did appreciate more of the like as a person who has been getting through quarantine by obsessing over the rarest of rare pairs and thinking a lot about how precognition would work. Mm-hmm. Um, practically, like between reading this, because it goes into so much more detail about like uh, fucking everything about Alice. I loved. I ate it all up. I love Alice. She's my favorite. That's been established. Um, Edward goes into a lot about like how her power works. And between like that and watching all of Steven Universe, like I feel like I've been educating myself about (laughs) different ways that people have used and characterized precognition in fiction. And I liked that. Also, Bella and Alice forever. All good. So, 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 okay. Chapter 25. I've yes. been containing myself and I can't believe we haven't gotten there. And I just, I'm just going to read what I said on Twitter. Seriously, anyone who is tempted to pick up Midnight Sun and flip through, please focus your attention on chapter 25, in which at least four or five of the Cullens drive from the Phoenix airport to the suburbs at 140 mph plus in a series of stolen cars. That's right. 25 chapters in, Stephanie Meyer was like, let me present a thing that always works very well in a printed medium, high-speed car chase. Yes. Okay, by the way, chapter 25 is entitled Race, and just race, and... In the first Fast and Furious movie, the race that the car race that they're going to is called Race Wars, which is extremely fucking funny and also problematic, but also fucking funny. And drink for Fast and Furious reference. And Stephanie Meyer 
um, the chemist, she said that she wrote it because she and her friend got real into the born identity. And so they wanted to make born identity fan fiction. And so it's her born identity fan fiction that she like filed the numbers off of. And I do also feel like this is her being like, yeah, I want to write a car chase. Fucking great. Because this is all, if you'll recall in Twilight, they split the party and Alice and Jasper take Bella because they're trying to get her away from this tracker. And so James, who like is obsessed with tracking her and, and so they go off. And so meanwhile, um, Esme and Rosalie stay in Forks to keep an eye on Charlie in case James tries to eat Charlie. And then the rest of the Collins go off question mark, question mark. And we don't really know because it's from Bella's point of view. And it turns out they're off being fast and furious in ways that make no sense. Literally, it's stated that they have caused a 27 car pileup on the highway. And like, sorry. And they talk about how, oh, well, we can't just go out and run with our vampire speed because the Volturi would be mad because like humans might see us running so fast. And like, okay, but you just caused a 27 car pileup. Literally, there's a part where like they run into another car and then they, they keep changing cars so police don't find them or fucking whatever. Carlisle, Dr. Vampire, pulls sedative and a syringe out of his emergency kit and just, like, fucking drugs a driver and leaves her on the side of the road <laughs> so he can take her car. <laughs> These are the good guys? Question mark? What the fuck? Look, they have to get to Scottsdale before Bella dies at the dance studio. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's buck wild. It's, there's, it's, I, I don't know. It's buck wild, but it's also boring, because as Carrie said, as we know from reading the novelization of Need for Speed the movie, it's boring (laughs) to read about a car chase. You should only watch Fast and the Furious. Don't read about it. Don't do it, because it's dangerous, and you might get a 27-car pileup. I'm going to remind you of this if case there's ever a novelization of a Fast and the Furious movie that you're like, we should read this. We still should read it. <laughs> because that's the nature of our podcast. Um, it's true. It is true. You, that is true. If you are only looking to read books for fun and enjoyment, no, probably don't read it. <laughs> yes. Um, so one like slightly more serious thing that I did notice and want to comment on just because I hated it so much is that... Like, obviously, like, Edward's thoughts are just kind of, like, gross all the time anyway. But there is a particular, like, line of thought that he returns to multiple times over the first, I don't know, like, half of the book. This book, it was 25 hours. I listened to it first on 1.5 and then at 2.0 once I was like, shit, I still (laughs) have to finish this. You listened to it fast and furious. I did listen to it fast and furious because I was furious and I was listening to it fast. Um... But he, and like the first half of the book, when he is reading the minds of the kids at school and like the thoughts that they have about Bella, it is this constant refrain from the other boys of like, oh, like they're thinking dirty thoughts about her. My thoughts are pure. And that makes my thoughts better because I don't have physical desire for her the way that they they keep thinking about how much they want to bone her. And that's wrong. But my thoughts, which are just about how pure she is, are right. Mm -hmm. And it was a very weird, sex-shamey constant. Like, obviously, fucking teenage boys are going to think gross, dirty thoughts about people. Like, I've accepted that. But also the fact that they have, they're not 
acting on those thoughts in like a bad way, the way that the rapists that he dexters yeah. <laughs> throughout his history do. Like they're just teenage boys who are like, that girl's hot. I wish I could fuck her. Which like and, we and all Edward we only, all Edward only knows because he is unethically mind reading, by the way. <laughs> exactly. They're- we all see girls who were like, well, Sorry, Renata. Most of us see girls who you know are what? like, they're very hot. You know what? If I, there's some. You know what? I, uh, now I can't think of any. <laughs> like Charlize Theron. I'll see Charlize Theron and be like, yeah. Okay. Oh my god. The old guard just happened yeah. to me recently? It happened to us all. Anyway, I'm a lesbian. Okay. Continuing. Edward literally at one point is in a tree outside of Bella's house looking in her room while she's sleeping and he thinks if Mike Newton was doing this it would be gross. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Edward sucks. <laughs> um oh, the, Are there any other things? Yes, there's one last thing that I want to say. The epilogue is, of course, when he, like, kidnaps her and takes her to prom sort of against her will. And because, you know, because Bella doesn't like dancing and Bella doesn't like people looking at her and Bella doesn't like Alice putting a fancy dress on her and, like, whatever. Um, I just want to read this line describing describing the prom. Tonight, Rosalie, Emmett, Jasper, and Alice were really dancing. They melded a hundred styles from other decades into new creations that could belong to any time at all. Of course, they were graceful beyond human ability. And then later he calls them showboating vampires, which I think should be um, the name of my band, if I could sing or do anything musical. Um, But that's, like, they're doing what? Like, that evolution of dance viral video or something? Like, what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) Also, they're at, like, a 2005 prom, so they're doing this to, like, black-eyed peas. Like, what? What? All right, so we're going to do a little dramatic readings now and just give you a, a little dose of what Edward Cullen's narrative voice is like. And I'm going to read just the very beginning, just so you can start start strong. It's, well, here we go. <laughs> this was the time of day when I most wished I were able to sleep. High school. Or was <laughs> purgatory the right word? If there were any way to atone for my sins, this ought to count toward the tally in some measure. The tedium was not something I grew used to. Every day seemed more impossibly monotonous than the last. Perhaps this could even be considered my form of sleep, if sleep were defined as the inert state between active periods. I stared at the cracks running through the plaster in the far corner of the cafeteria, imagining patterns into them that were not there. It was one way to tune out the voices that babbled like the gush of a river inside my head. Several of these, several hundred of these voices I ignored out of boredom. When it came to the human mind, I'd heard it all before and then some. Today, all thoughts were consumed with the trivial drama of a new addition to the small student body. It took so little to work them up. I'd seen the new face repeated in thought after thought from every angle just an ordinary human girl. The excitement over her arrival was tiresomely predictable. It was the same reaction as one would get from flashing a shiny object at a group of toddlers. Half the sheep-like males were already imagining themselves infatuated with her, just because she was something new to look at. 
I tried harder to tune them out. Only four voices did I block out of courtesy rather than distaste. Note, no, he doesn't. My family, my two brothers and two (laughs) sisters, who are so used to the lack of privacy in my presence that they rarely worried about it. I gave them what I could. I tried not to listen if I could help it. Again, footage not found. Try as I may, (laughs) still, I knew. Rosalie was thinking, as usual, about herself. Her mind was a stagnant pool with few surprises. God, you're such a bitch, Edward. She caught sight of her profile in the reflection off someone's glasses, and she was mulling over her own perfection. No one else's hair was closer to true gold. No one else's shape was quite so perfectly an hourglass. No one else's face was such a flawless, symmetrical oval. She didn't compare herself to the humans here. That juxtaposition would have been laughable. Absurd. She thought of others like us, none of them her equal. Emmett's usually carefree expression was crumpled with frustration. Even now, he ran one enormous hand through his ebony curls, twisting the hair into his fist, still fuming over the wrestling match he'd lost to Jasper during the night. It would take all his limited patience to make it to the end of the school day to orchestrate a rematch. Hearing Emmett's thoughts never felt intrusive because he never thought one thing that he would not say aloud or put into action. (laughs) Perhaps I only felt guilty reading the other's minds because I knew there were things inside that they wouldn't want me to know. If Rosalie's mind was a stagnant pool, then Emmett's was a lake with no shadows, glass clear. And Jasper was (laughs) suffering. (laughs) (laughs) Edward is such a shady queen. My God. Emmett is a perfect himbo. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was watching the movie last night and there's like, they're talking about how, it, I was watching the commentary and they're talking about how he's like eating in the cafeteria where they're not supposed to be eating. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So, yeah, Carrie, Carrie, take us to Fast and Furious, please. Okay, just very quick background. They are in a high-speed chase, and for some reason, they have to get in another car, and they see a Porsche SUV, and this transpires. There it was, a brand-new Porsche Cayenne Turbo, too new for plates yet. Top speed, 186, already adorned with a stick-figure family on the back window. Two daughters and three dogs. A family would slow us. Alice used my decision to take the car and looked ahead to what it meant. Luckily, there was only the driver inside, a 30-something female with a dark brown ponytail. And then they decide to steal the car. Alice assigned our roles in a trilling voice, the words flowing faster than the speed of hummingbird's wings. Carlisle dug through his bag. Emmett flexed unconsciously. I overtook the white SUV, hitting the necessity of slowing down to pace it. The BMW motorcycle sped out of reach. The overpass was half a mile ahead. The shadow that it threw was only 53 feet long. The sun was almost directly above us. Alice helped me time it. I pulled slightly ahead of the Cayenne and then steered left again, forcing my way into her lane while decelerating sharply. The driver slammed on the brakes. We came to a full stop at the last 10 feet of shade. All of us exited simultaneously. Curious faces flew by us at 70 miles per hour. The driver of the Cayenne was climbing out of her car too, her face in a scowl and her ponytail swinging with rage. Carlisle darted forward to meet her. She had one second to react to the fact that the most handsome man she'd ever seen was responsible for running her off the road, and then she was collapsing into him. She probably hadn't even had time to feel the prick of the needle. 
Carlisle carefully laid her unconscious body on the raised concrete shelf beside the shoulder. And then they steal the car and run off. I had actually not clocked the first time around that they had to time it so that they stopped in the shade so no one would see them sparkle. That's amazing. Oh my god. Yeah. This is these books are dumb, guys. <laughs> but great, Kate. It's I mean, I'm not I like lots of dumb things, to be clear. Do you, have you ever watch The Exorcist? Everyone in there except for one person has zero brain cells. <laughs> they're all real dumb. Look, they they have brains. They're just using them in very strange ways. Yeah. Okay. I okay. don't think, I don't think, I think maybe the Cullens have like three brain cells. I think Carlisle normally has at least two of them. <laughs> well, and Alice's brain cells are just divided among future timelines. So it's hard. True. It's true. It's hard. Okay. Let's. Play Would You Rather. Okay. Would you rather watch vampire baseball or human baseball? <sighs> I guess vampire. I don't want to watch any baseball, to be honest. But I guess at least vampire baseball would be novel. Vampire baseball would have a cool soundtrack happening, I think. Probably. I don't remember that movie, but I'll take your word for it. Well, in the movie, it definitely does. I'm just not sure if it happens every time they play. Um, but yeah. let's assume that it does. You would also have to be in the rain for vampire baseball, but I got I got a jacket. It's okay. I would like to be out at a sport of some kind in the summer of 2020, but I do feel like with the three-on-three vampire baseball, you could social distance more easily. So that, that's baseball. a good point. God, remember the before times? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still didn't go to to baseball in the before times. I mean, but me I, I went to a couple for my dad. When he asked, I read a book. Anyway. I went to Fenway Park to see Lady Gaga, and that was great. That was better than a baseball. That's really what I would (laughs) rather do. But how about, oh, God, this is something we didn't really talk about. Jasper reveals that he, you know, Jasper can manipulate emotions. And when the bad vampires come to the baseball game, he, quote, uh, radiates a potent wave of tedium so that they just will get bored but it doesn't work but he tries and that's a good so would you rather have jasper's power to deploy a potent wave of tedium or alice's power to weaponize the secret i i this is very dumb this is very dumb but i have had two doubles of this drink now mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um yeah, we haven't been I would saying like every alice- time we drink we just have been drinking we have been drinking um i would like alice's power if only because as i said i've been writing a lot of fiction about precognition so it'd be great to have some first person experience and also maybe to know if the during times are ever going to end Mm, that would be fair though could be depressing but here by the way the the Cullens all have these great powers and ability, like and like Edward has two medical degrees, and they're just going to high school. Like they should have <laughs> jobs. They should like work for the CDC or some shit. They're very powerful, and they're just wasting their time repeating high school. Yeah. Anyway, I want the tedium power because uh, at the library we're open again and people can come in and talk to us. And I get it. Like people have been lonely from core, but then they come in and they just want to like, tell me way too much information. Cause they're just like happy to be talking to another person, but I'm there all day. And I want you to fucking stop talking to me. And so 
if I could deploy my wave of tedium, maybe they would get bored and go home and not talk to me. Yeah, I honestly, I respect the hell out of the way Alice deploys her precognition, but it seems exhausting and it does not line up with the way that I think about stuff. Whereas I really actually honestly love invisibility power so that I can do whatever and not be scrutinized. Um, and I think the potent weight of, of tedium essentially does that. It's like no, people assume what you're doing is boring and you get away with shit. <sighs> All right. Um, last up, I want to ask, would you rather eat off-brand Cheerios or eat at Steaks and Cakes? <laughs> eat at Steaks and Cakes. I eat a lot of off-brand things because <laughs> generic is cheaper. Off-brand Cheerios universally taste bad. And also, to bring the empty bowl into it again for the second time in this Twilight podcast, um... Oats and honey Cheerios are the best Cheerios, and they should be renamed regular Cheerios, and regular Cheerios should be named worst Cheerios, <laughs> which I should say that that take is copyright Justin McElroy, TM, TM, TM. I like apple cinnamon Cheerios. Does Steaks and Cakes do curbside? Oh my god, that's such a good question. And um, I can't believe it hasn't come up before now. That's such a good question. I feel like no, they don't because I don't. I do feel like Steaks and Cakes are sponsor. I do think that this run by Trumpers who are anti-maskers. Okay, as as much as I I powerfully dislike off-brand Cheerios, I am not ready to be inside a restaurant run by people who think that coronavirus is a hoax. Yeah, shit. I feel that. I feel that too. And I like, I don't know because this is a fictional restaurant, but I just really feel in my heart that it is a fictional restaurant run by fictional Trumpers. <laughs> I am so sorry that I have ruined steaks and cakes and you guys may need a new sponsor. It's fine. We're very drunk. Maybe We're, we won't remember we won't this won't by remember. the next episode. I don't know. Kate, what does your heart tell you about steaks and cakes? I mean, I do, I do feel like, I do feel like its origins from Christian Mingle, the movie, would uh, indicate that perhaps it is run by Trumpers. And also, I don't... Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay, okay. I don't want to think about this anymore. Let's do Reader's Advisory, and we're going to keep this pretty short because we've been talking too long, and also because we've done 700 Reader's Advisories for Twilights already, so we'll link to those, and you can go back to them and look at other stuff we've said before. But I want to tell you about a new book that we haven't talked about before because it's not even out yet. It comes out next month. And it's an anthology called Vampires Never Get Old, edited by Natalie C. Parker and Zoraida Cordova. And it sounds dope because it's young adult um, sh- vampire short stories written by like queer authors and authors of color. And I'm excited for some for some fresh new vampire stories and my yeah oh go on sorry i didn't realize you weren't done i i I guess i really was i was just gonna say like and and i'm excited about it my one reader's advisory is the 2019 charlie's angels reboot which got a bad rap from men who are critics that it was bad but actually it was fucking amazing Kristen Stewart is in it she can be like as weird and queer as she wants it is there's it's great we just watched it again we I saw it in theaters twice and we just watched it again the other night and it's still very good and Kristen Stewart is very good in it everyone is really good in it if you're into that sort of thing which I am and by the way one of the times Kate saw it in theaters was with me and I'm not like 
gay for Christian St- Kristen Stewart or Christian Mingle. Um, <laughs> I even if you're not like appreciated on that level, it's just like a really fun movie. Um, and if you are like, yeah, there's super hot ladies in it, and you can that's also enjoyable. And also, yeah. what's his name is in it, the boy from To All the Boys I Love Before, Noah Centineo is. In oh it, yeah, if you like to look at a boy once in a while. Okay, yeah, yes. it's just it's very good. It's very good about female friendship and relationships, and like propping that up above any like love interest bullshit. Anyway, go watch it. That. I think Elizabeth Banks is the only director who's really understood how to use Kristen's star persona. And she's amazing in that movie. Very quickly. I've listened to the past readers advisory and just because I'm very late to get on the train. I think we talked about Maggie Steve Otter on the first um, twilight episode. And so I just have finally recently read the Raven cycle series, which I recommend. And also it has some cute romance and male POVs that are not fucking gross and is also weirdly horny for cars for reasons I don't yeah. understand. Well, Maggie is horny for cars openly. Um, and also the newest one came out like last year maybe. Um, and it's and it's very um, openly canonically queer in a way that's that's charming. And it's Stephanie Meyer uh, will not do. Yeah. And, okay. and actually my reward for finishing Midnight Sun and doing this podcast is I finally get to read that book. Yeah, it's very good. Um, okay, what's we'll have these and more ones up at worstbestsellers.com under Reader's Advisory. Um, what is our candy pairing? By the way, I didn't really... I'm hungry, so... <laughs> okay, well, we're almost done. My candy pairing, don't eat these, they're bad, is the same Twilight Nico Heart wafers from our first episode six years ago. So, like, it's the same thing. You know what it is, except now, like, six years have passed, and it's just you can recognize that it's not good. Now they're stale. Yeah. Um, mine is remember when they changed green Skittles from being lime to being green apple? And you were like, no, Oh, they, they don't were eat better. Skittles. Okay. Well, do you at home remember when they changed <laughs> lime Skittles, the green Skittles became green apple? And it I think it's universally a bad decision. No one likes the green apple Skittles, and I think that original Twilight was a lime Skittle. And this Edward Twilight is a green apple Skittle. Where like it looks the same, but it's worse. <laughs> um, last week I was in the store and I saw they already had Halloween candy out. They had candy corn pumpkins. It's the wrong time of year to eat them. They don't really taste like Halloween candy, but they were in the store and I did purchase and consume an entire bag. So midnight sun. <laughs> Man, those are good. I would eat those. Um, okay. What about the Rock Paper Snicked, which is, of course, the game where Kate says who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this movie, if he were in this book, and and it would just be Fast and Furious. And I will say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Carrie will choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which is to leave it as is. Um, I forgot to do this part of my homework. <laughs> So it would, it would just be Rock Fast Five. This- it would be the it would just be Fast Five, and it would just be the cool car chase, and the Rock would be there. Yes. Also, <laughs> and then while while he was doing the cool car chase, he would be like, "Bella, actually, you're in love with Alice, and you should kiss." <laughs> cool. Well, if Wolverine were in this movie, and I'm sure that I have invoked Vampire Jubilee before, because we do talk about vampires like a lot, but in the comics, Jubilee. Uh, I don't know if she's a vampire right now. For a long time, she's been a vampire. And so Wolverine would bring Vampire Jubilee to come and meet the Collins. 
And Edward would immediately be, like, very judgmental of her and think that she is shallow, like, Rosalie. But it doesn't matter because what would happen would be Jubilee and Alice would go on a shopping spree and just get, like, bright yellow accessories. And there would be just, like, a long um, mall montage. And that's what would happen. Okay. So, um, am I p- I'm picking now? Yeah. Um, I do love a shopping spree, but I think I have to go with the one that ends up with Bella Alice, which would also definitely involve shopping sprees. So I, I will go wrong. That's, okay, fair. Um, and also Fast Five is a really good movie. I have not seen that uh, one. <laughs> okay, what do we think the moral of the story is? My moral of the story is a moral that we use a lot in various different incarnations. And in this particular incarnation, I am going to say ban vampire men. Mine is along that line. And it's just um, no one actually wants to know what men are thinking. That's correct. Mine is um, literally take a drink. Nothing matters no text is permanent. No story actually has any kind of uh, relevance to anything. Postmodernism, take a drink. Holy shit, nothing does matter. Um, except for cats matter. ACAB, all cats are beautiful. <laughs> my, beautiful my beautiful cat, Dorje, is here to share his opinions about the book. Yeah, Dorje, you're right. We've known since book one that Edward likes to eat mountain lions, and he should be canceled. And by the way, this comes up, and I've thought it before. Like, ecosystems really rely on the predators to keep everything in check. If your vampires are out here eating all the mountain lions, there's going to be too much deer, too much rabbits. It's going to be chaos. They're all going to starve. It's really problematic. And there's a part where Edward mentions that. And he's like, we should move on. We ate too many mountain lions out of this part of the park. <laughs> and Alice is like, treat yourself. And like, Alice, you should be able to see the environmental destruction that you guys are wreaking in this park. Yes. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Is that like, yeah, like, obviously, Alice is my favorite Dorte. I don't make that a secret. But she really is wrong there, and she really should be doing more to help, you know, protect the mountain lions in the that region of Forks or where at Washington or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They should just I I don't know why they don't just steal human blood from blood banks. That seems like the most reasonable solution. But yes. anyway, Dorite, thanks for reading this. I know it was really long and I'll let you get back to your nap now. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? Thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing this. And also, I hate you. <laughs> you and you being <laughs> Stephanie Meyer. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, Carrie, things are coming back. My thoughts, my closing thoughts are just like drunk, emotional. Thanks for us doing this podcast for so long. And thanks for listening. And even Stephanie Meyer, thank you for putting this book out. I guess and it is I yeah I just like always and I know we say this all the time but always like when we started this it was just a thing that we could do because we were living very far apart at the time we thought it would be cool to do a podcast together but like people care about it lots of people have listened to this podcast and said that it's important to them and that 
I just, I am so appreciative of all of you because it would, it, I am so glad that you can get something out of it. And I hope that we can continue to live up to your expectations. Do people have expectations? I probably. Stop it. <laughs> Stop doing that immediately. Um, if you have them, I guess you can tell them about, tell us about them on the internet. Worstbestsellers.com, Facebook, and Instagram were worst best spell it. Fuck. <laughs> worst bestsellers with an with S. The S. And on Twitter, we're worst bestseller with no S um, because we are too drunk to properly pronounce all the S's in it. So it's gone. It's gone. It's true. Um, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts and iTunes are the same thing. Sorry, I just am used to saying Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the places where podcasts are, you know where podcasts are because you are listening to this podcast right now. Um, if you subscribe to us, please read and review if you all those things. Also, we just would love you. We would love you. It's quarantine. What else do you have going on besides reading and reviewing podcasts? Not much, probably. Um, we we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Uh, you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation. It goes to us. We can pay our editor. We can pay. We're going to pay a transcriber to do a couple episodes because it's so slow going when we do it ourselves. Um, and all we sorts pay, of other we things. We pay the Quiloots for their. Um, yes. For, yes. For, their, for that. For when their we bought school. the books. Um, um, and, it's, and you get things. We have a newsletter. We have other stuff that I can't remember what it is right now, but those things are happening. It's happening. Um, and we also have merch, which you can find by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch. If you have any merch ideas, please send them to us and we will make some things about our podcast that you can wear on your body. Or your baby's body. Yes. Someone recently bought one of our Steaks and Cakes onesies, and if that was you, please do send us a picture of your baby. For sure. Wearing. I should buy a Steaks and Cakes t-shirt for my nephew. Yeah. Put Steaks and Cakes on your babies. Um, <laughs> if you wanna if you wanna follow me on social media, I'm taking a Twitter break right now, but I am at 14 across, all spelled out on all the social medias. I'm Renata Snacks. Um, I'm Carrie M. Pruitt, P-R-U-E-T-T. And I had been on a Twitter break the last few times I was on here, but I have actually been posting a lot of stuff with hashtag Twilight tweets related to getting ready for this podcast. So probably uh, anything that I didn't read out loud already on this podcast is on there. There's a lot. There's a lot of Twilight content. Okay. Thank you again to everyone for everything. And we'll be yes. back in two weeks with um, another Bachelor book, which is, again, one of our very first episodes was a Bachelor book. And now we're doing another one. And this one is The First Time by Colton Underwood. And Rebecca Kim Wells is going to be our guest for that. And you should go by um, Shatter the Sky in Paperback and pre-order Storm the Earth, which is coming out in October. Because uh, they're great, and Rebecca's great, and I used to see her all the time, and now I miss her because it's quarantine, and I don't see anyone. Yeah, the books are great. We'll tell you more about them when we're more sober, probably. Yes. I just realized that, like, The Bachelor book was about the show The Bachelor, and I was like, is this, like, a subgenre of horny romance that I'm not familiar with, The Bachelor books? I mean, yes, but also, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. the uh, We're changing gears is 
reality television time now. Okay, the cool. Bachelor, the show, TMT. Exciting. Exciting. Um. Okay. I, we gotta. We'll stop. We should yes. stop. But okay. Drinks, and we're gonna hydrate. We are gonna hydrate and end recording. And and thank you. And goodbye. Bye bye. <laughs>